Well, um, let's start with a game of encouragement bingo um, before we get into stuff. Um, so I'm going to say something that may have happened to you this week. And if it has happened to you this week, uh, you get to uh, jump up like a jack-in-a-box and uh, let everyone know that you've been encouraged. Um, so uh, we'll start with a, a fairly basic and easy one. And if none of these apply to you whatsoever, don't worry. I'm going to preach the gospel at the end and you'll have a chance to respond to Jesus. Um, so... Uh, uh, stand up if God has encouraged you in some way this week through a prophetic moment. Someone said something to you, or you've had a picture, or anything like that, and you think, wow, that was God. Okay, that's really cool. Right, uh, have a seat down. Uh, stand up if you've been encouraged in some way through a worship song that you've uh, sung or heard uh, in some way. It's like the quicker you respond, the, the easier it is. So, okay. uh, stand up if the scripture has spoken to you in some way this week. And a Bible verse or something really stood up to you. Okay, people need to read the Bible more. That's, that's just, that's a given. If you read it, it will work. So you just need to read the Bible more. It's Lent coming up. Uh, hands on your head, hand on your heart. I need to read the Bible more. Okay, that's, that's your basic discipline for Lent. Read the Bible. Um, okay, uh, stand up if you've seen something unusual or uh, spectacular happen this week where you think, oh, God was really at work in that. Yeah, we've got, got one over here. Uh, go on, go on, tell us that then. I did hear about the balloon. Do you want, do you want, to, do you want to tell everyone? Go on, go on. Um, so just this morning, well, in the last, was it the last song, everyone? I'm going to, um, we had this red balloon travel around the church, and it was just like a bit unusual, because there must have been a party a few days, in the day before, that, that weekend. But this red balloon literally was taken gently kind of around the church, and then I think someone said it went around two and a half times, the whole congregation, it went behind the worship. People, I didn't notice that bit, but all I saw it do was I was actually praying for someone, and I won't mention who it was. Um, and this balloon just went gently at the front, but really slowly, and then it went round this person I was praying, and then it went round some others, and then it round the back, and then it got whooshed up crazily, like from the air vent. But it's like, and it just made me feel like some of the people had probably different ideas on it, but I just thought we we're like praying, like God's sometimes so gentle and lovely, and I felt like God was wanting to touch everyone with his gentleness in the service, but then also sometimes it's exciting. And yeah. hey, thank you. And someone else said it was red like a heart, and it was like the beating heart had taken off and was, um, was doing new things. Exciting, isn't it? I don't think there's any balloons in here, so we'll have to pray for a different sign uh, here. Uh, anyone have an incredible small week this week? Um, Chris, why don't you come and tell us about your incredible small group this week? Yeah, I was... <laughs> Yeah, I think we've got a few, a few representatives from our small group who are giving it large now. Uh, we had a moment after our small group uh, this week, didn't we, where um, we just felt, um, Stephen in particular and Fee, just felt like um, there was prayer ministry to do after the small group. We no, don't normally do that, but um, yeah, it was great to, um, to pray with some of the others. Go on, give us a bit more. Uh, we just laid hands on each other. Um, anyone who wanted prayer ministry came and got prayer ministry, um, and we ended up kind of praying for everyone, really. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's, here's another one. Ha, uh, stand up if you've been encouraged in prayer ministry this week. Woo! Who's going to come and tell us about that then? Who, come on, come on, someone. Sa <laughs> Sam, you're still standing. Come on in, come on in. Um, <laughs> thanks, guys. I think it came, it came, to be honest, it came as a bit of a surprise. Um, it was, it was it's kind of what Chris has been talking about. It came at the end of a small group. Stephen and Fee were something like, actually, really think of a few people here who we really need to pray about. One of them was me. Um, and it was a bit of a surprise, because I, like, I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, 
but it was one of those finds when you know that there's actually stuff underneath that isn't, isn't quite fine. Um, I don't know, I haven't planned this. Um, I think it was, it was just encouraging to, to have that spoken over you, to know that, that, that God was looking out for me and was putting me on other people's hearts. Um, and some of the things that were, were prayed about, actually, I, it feel like, feels like they've been different this week. Um, yeah. Um, so that's, that's been pretty encouraging. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Anyone had an encouraging email, WhatsApp, or text message this week? Come on, we're still standing. We're still standing. Otherwise, I'll start preaching. Okay, you guys need to encourage each other more. Didn't you hear Chloe's sermon last week? We're supposed to be all relational and like, nice to each other. So let's get some messages flying around for Len as well. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to do more prayer ministry. We're going to text people. And uh, Dennis is going to, I, I don't know. I mean, what should we give Dennis to do during Lent? Alison, what do you think Dennis should do during Lent? <laughs> I'm not sure that's too popular. Oh, dear. Okay, well... Um, I, I had a real encouragement this, uh, this Monday. Uh, we'd been asked to go and do a, a house blessing um, uh, a little while ago. With, you know, people have been very worried that there have been things flying off walls and uh, doors shutting and feeling a horrific presence in, in a house that they lived in. And so they, uh, they phoned up the church office, came through to my emergency number, as it were, and uh, Nicola and I went down on our way to a school bingo evening. That's how holy we are. And they were like... You're going gambling? You're definitely not the right people. We should have called someone else. But there you go. And anyway, I went back uh, this week with uh, a a lady who is the Dyson exorcist um, called Ali Taylor. And we went and prayed in this house uh, for two and a half hours. And during that time, God just did some incredible things in this couple's life and in the couple's house. And there was just an incredible sense of freedom and uh, an evil spirit having left the place. And uh, just other things were opened up. And this morning, they were here in church. It was so encouraging. I was just so blessed. And uh, I think they might get confirmed as well in a few weeks' time. So we also had an amazing encouragement this morning. Uh, Anyone here at 10.30 this morning? Uh, Prudence, tell us what happened this morning. I don't know how many of you know Daffid, big Welsh guy, um, who apparently has known Jesus all his life, but didn't go to church, didn't really like the whole fellowship bit and... Um, just thought, I don't know what experience he'd had of church, but when he came, his wife kind of dragged him here about two, three years ago, and he's been coming ever since, and decided that although he knew God, he wanted to make a public sign uh, that he knew God, and so over there we had a, a kind of like a baby swimming pool, and uh, they baptized Daphid, and it was really something special. If you haven't yet been baptized or confirmed, um, uh, both of these opportunities coming up. We're going to have a baptism here at the 6 o'clock on the 30th of March. We've already got someone hopefully lined up for that. And then the uh, confirmation is the following week over at St. Albans, 7th of April in the morning. Uh, Chances to respond to God and say, I'm part of the church family and I'm going to follow Jesus. Uh, Nice, isn't it? Let's pray and we'll get into this passage. Father, thank you so much that you are a God of much encouragement. Pray for any of us today who don't feel encouraged uh, for whatever reason, any of us who've had a really tough week or month or year, 
and pray that tonight you'll just open our hearts and our eyes to you and you'll speak to us. And I pray for a great spirit of encouragement in this room this evening. You'll give uh, fresh hope and fresh faith and fresh vision and fresh joy to everyone who's ready to receive it. Move among us, Lord God, and just pour your grace out now. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, let's start in the passage. We've got St. Paul. As you remember, he's in prison or house arrest. It's all pretty much the same thing. He's towards the end of his life, uh, which in those days was uh, younger than it is today. He's probably in his 60s or so. Uh, He has written or is in the process of writing 13 of the letters that we now have in our New Testament. He's an incredible person. He's planted churches all over the place. In his young life, he was a great intellect. He was someone who could uh, understand the, the law, the religious law very well, and could teach people it. And he was, he was also a zealot. He was quite happy to kill people who disagreed with him <laughs> and see them killed. He met the Lord Jesus and had an incredible life transformation that worked out gradually over the in a basket because everyone was out to get him. And it was only after spending three years in the desert that his head got back in gear. And if any of you are wondering about ordination, that's one of the historical reasons why we send people off to theological cemetery for three years. uh, So that in the middle of the desert, um, where there's nothing much for them to do or anything really of any benefit or use whatsoever, um, they might realign themselves with Jesus somehow. Um, And that worked for Paul. And it's worked for many other people since. When everyone else didn't like him, he got picked up by the great encourager, Barnabas, also known as Joseph. And, uh, and the encourager said, you're just the guy that we need on our team. When everyone else knew he clearly wasn't the guy he needed on the team because he was going to bring acrimony. But Barnabas encouraging him helped this man Saul to become Paul. And Paul uh, means small, a man of no importance. He, he gradually understood himself as a man of no importance and carried on doing wonderful things. I haven't got time this evening to rehabilitate Paul from all the awful things that people have been saying about him over the last two centuries. But if you've got in your head that he was a terrible man, then um, I've got some podcasts you should listen to because uh, you're wrong. And uh, <laughs> you need to have your head realigned on this incredible saint that God gave to the church to help us uh, understand Jesus more. Uh, so Paul here is in prison. He's at the end of his life. He has run a really good race. He's not in prison by accident. That's really important to know. In Acts chapter 20, he is heading to Jerusalem. And he's intercepted by some prophets. Who are the people who said they've been encouraged by prophetic revelation this week? Quite a few people in the room, either received or directly or from someone else. And these prophets, uh, the daughters of Agabus, stop, stop Paul and say, look, please don't go to Jerusalem. We've had a picture. And in the picture, you're bound up in chains. And you're not going to escape from it. Now, they had an accurate prophetic picture. What they didn't have was the right application of the prophetic picture. It's Paul's like, yeah, I know, but I'm still going to go this way. Why? Because the way of Jesus Christ is the way of the cross, and it's the way of death, because the Christian message is that death leads to resurrection. And we live in this circle all the way along. Of, uh, as Paul puts it, one place, death is at work in me so that life can be at work in you. Anyone had a hard month or hard week? Didn't have anything to say I'm encouraged by? You don't have to stand up for this one. <laughs> and you had a hard month, hard week? Nothing to be encouraged by. Yeah, no, no, at the back, good man. Might as well own up to it, eh? I mean, it happens to all of us. Um, 
It's often the way of following Jesus. Death is at work in us so that life can begin to work in other people. If you're following Jesus, it's not all easy street. Sometimes it's just plain tough. And Paul knew that he had to go the plain tough way to Jerusalem and then on from Jerusalem to Rome where he's now stuck in prison. And here he is, and he wants you to know at the beginning of this, uh, these verses that what happened to me, brothers and sisters, really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is uncanny how often it is when our lives fall apart when everything isn't hunky-dory, when life just isn't working, it's uncanny how often it is in those moments that we're actually more useful to God than the moments when everything looks all right. When you have an unexpected operation or a family situation goes wrong or you are failed in an exam or a test or job is just rubbish or the boss is a dictator. That's just if you work at church. <laughs> In these situations and circumstances, it's how you trust in God that often shines through to other people. And here's Paul stuck in one of the worst situations. You can imagine this man who's had utter freedom through his life, a citizen of no mean country. Suddenly he is stuck and yet he says, what's happened to me has served to advance the gospel because everyone can see I'm in these chains for Jesus. And there's something so attractive about this man who doesn't stop rejoicing. He rejoices and carries on. He rejoices and carries on. He rejoices and carries on. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Because he's stuck there, and for the first time, he's not able to help the churches do what he wants them to do. He can't just go, I'm coming to visit you soon, so you better snap up and get into shape, as he did to the Corinthians previously. He can't send them a sort of a, um, please, would you go the whole hog and emasculate yourself as he did to the Galatians when they were getting out of kilter on something. He can't follow through on any threats because he's trapped. Nothing he can do. So it means that some of his precious churches are now carrying on over here without him. And some of the people who have got themselves onto the preaching rotors or leading the small groups or leading the worship band or heading up the youth work or heading up the Sunday school or whatever are not the people that he would have handpicked to be there. Right? Some of them he thinks are downright wrong. Some of them he thinks their motivations are wrong. Is a little aside on leadership. And many of you are leaders in all sorts of contexts. Some of you aspire to be leaders in, in bigger contexts. We often talk about there being three C's for leadership. Um, character, competence, and a calling. And you need the calling to know what you're supposed to be doing. You need competence to be able to do something well. Without character, you might as well not have the other two. Because eventually without character, it falls apart. And Paul's like, that. there are some of these guys here who have got a load of, load of competence. You know, they're... they're you know, maybe they're the super good-looking worship leader or whatever. Um, there's some of them who've got a real calling. Everyone's like, yes, it's you, yes, it's you, yes, it's you, yes, it's you. But if they're standing on sandy ground, ethically, morally, in hidden areas, it's going to come tumbling down. And he says, look, there are some people who preach Jesus just to make a name for themselves. 
just because they want to climb whatever ladder they're on and that just happens to be the ladder they're on. They just want bigger and bigger and more and more and me and me. And let's be honest, it's an easy temptation, isn't it? I, I, I notice it sometimes um, in myself, in situations where I'm with uh, peers at a similar stage. If someone who is further on rings up one of my peers and says, I'd like you to do this, and they haven't invited me at the same time, guess how I feel? I'm proper cross, you know? I don't want to, but I, but I do easily, and it happens easily in all our situations, doesn't it? Oh, why did you invite them and not me? <laughs> and it is so easy to get caught up in that. Envy, selfish ambition. He said, look, some of the people preaching are doing it out of this. It's so sad. To be honest, I think he's saying, I used to do that as well. <laughs> but I've learned not to do it like that anymore. I've learned that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I've learned to lay it all down. And I wish they'd learned it as well, but they haven't got there yet. I'm just gutted that they're not there yet. But at least Jesus is being preached. You know, the worship leader may just be up there because she's the most pretty person in the universe. <laughs> the preacher may only be up there because they can tell jokes better than anyone else. But at least if they're pointing to Jesus, at least Jesus is getting some credit and attention. Do you see? It's that sort of attitude of not whining and moaning that it's not quite right. But praising God, at least something good's happening. So important, isn't it? Justin Welby uh, recently was talking to the Church of England's Parliament. And he said, uh, I'd love you all to give up something for Lent. Did anyone see what it was? It made the news. It was uh, fascinating. Did you see? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you need it. It's giving up cynicism for Lent. You know that? That sort of thing where you're always thinking that what the other person is saying, they're doing it for some sort of negative reason. You, you know, we're quite a clever bunch of people here, aren't you? You're sort of double-thinking people going, oh, you know, I know why you're doing that. I know, I know. And actually, you're saying, well, why not just assume the best out of people? Paul's like, look, I know some of these people are doing it for these bad reasons. Frankly, I'm, you know, probably 20 years older than them. I've seen it all before. But nevertheless... At least they're pointing to Jesus. And if they're pointing to Jesus, then people are going to come and encounter Jesus. And once Jesus has got hold of them, he's going to teach them. And as Jesus teaches them, the church is going to grow. So I don't care. Um, I'd rather they were all in the right place, but even in their mixed up, messed up place, that's good. And uh, and he carries on in various ways. I'm not going to go right through this evening, but what I want you to notice is the RAC, that he rejoices and carries on. He rejoices and carries on. He rejoices and carries on. He just says, look, I continue to rejoice. I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus, what's happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I expect this deliverance, but frankly, I don't care. You know, if I die, I die, and it'll be better for me. If I live, I live, and I'll be able to serve you. But for now, I'm just going to rejoice and carry on. I've had an um, unsettling um, couple of years, personally, as I've had um, all sorts of different things come along. Um, I got asked to go on a leadership course, and then every so often, as a result of that, I'd get phoned up and asked, do you want to do this, or do you want to do the other, or, or do you want to do the next thing? Um, Sometimes really attractive uh, and exciting possibilities. 
It's very hard to live in the near future, isn't it? Or even in the future future. Um, and not to live in the present. And I think God's allowed me to go through this little season as a, as a way of stretching me and going, Ashley, what do you really care about? What's your heart really all in for? And he gave me a picture just a week or so ago, and it was of me basically standing on a cliff. And uh, this isn't a um, suicidal thought or anything to disturb you. But I, I, the idea was I just jumped off this cliff, and as I did, God just lifted me up again on his wings in his way. And it was just a simple thing of saying, Richard, all the things um, that you easily hold dear, all the things that you think... Um, make you something, all the things that think make you worthwhile or whatever. Just, why don't you just, instead of climbing up another <laughs> rung, why don't you just go like this and just see what, what happens when you bounce on the waves and the winds of my mercy. It's ever so lovely. Um, and it came just at the same time as one of my real mentors said, I'd love you to, to come and do this with me. And I realized that the answer was, was no. Because God's rooted and put us in this place at this time. And he told me this, this lovely thing. And I just wanted to share this with you this evening. I wasn't sure what I'd say exactly this evening. But I want to share this with you this evening. He, he said to me, if you keep striking here, as in keep breaking up the ground here, you're going to strike gold. You're going to strike gold. And it feels like God's begun just the most incredible thing. I, I don't know about you. I was, I was enjoying the worship earlier. And I was rewinding my head six years ago to the um, four o'clock slot that we had in here on a Sunday afternoon, where there were three interns and three young people. And that was our, that was our evening service, <laughs> four o'clock in the afternoon. And just walking in on this sort of crescendo of praise and worship and joy and exuberance and Kirsty's amazing voice and all, all the rest of it, just so wonderful to... Um, See what God's doing. There's a sense that if you keep striking, you're going to hit gold. Um, but in order to, to go further with God, something always has to happen. I, I put it on uh, Facebook a few weeks ago. It said that the, uh, the cost of the next move of God is always everything you've gained so far. <laughs> the cost of the next move of God is always everything you've gained so far. I wonder if you know the truth of that. You think you've been building up a reputation or a status in your job or you've been working hard at something. Or, and God's just like, actually, you know, I'm one of I don't care <laughs> about that. Just jump off the cliff again and see where I take you. I'm very lucky because um, I think there's been three times in my life since I was um, 18 where God's taken me on a process of saying, I want you to relinquish this thing you hold on really close to, really tight to. And a couple of years ago, someone got me to do a timeline of my life. And I clocked that every time I did one of these big jumps off something, uh, my spiritual life grew like that. My outward status went down, as in, you know, in terms of the role I had or, or some other thing. But my spiritual life went way up like that. So amazing to look on and go, wow, isn't God kind and faithful? <laughs> if you just say, I'm not going to hold on tight. I'm going to let go to you. That's what St. Paul's saying here. He says, look, uh, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. 
Every time I lay down my life, it becomes a seed that can sprout up again. That's why he can say, death is at work in me, life is at work in you, because that's the Christian way of doing things. We're always dying so that life can sprout out again. And here at, here at church, we're um, going to go through some um, exciting developments and changes, and hopefully you received an email from me um, or a couple of emails from me today with uh, some of the news. Um, one of the most exciting bits of news is that as we become what the diocese called a resource church, um, we break out of the boundaries of parish, which has been like this straitjacket on the Church of England for, for generations. Um, and what we've already begun with uh, the youth minister, with, with Zoe and others, uh, in terms of youth, young people, we can now do um, in adult churches and stuff as well, with legitimacy. It used to be that if you wanted to start a little mini church in a coffee shop that was just over the edge of your parish boundary, that was a problem. <laughs> um, it seems silly in our day, doesn't it? But actually the church is now saying, okay, well, we, we just want to see life. And they've looked in at you guys and this church, and they say, yeah, you know, not perfect, but we like what we see. It'd be lovely to replicate more and more of this around place. So um, one of the things that I'm going to be doing is trying to help us as a church um, let that beating heart fly around more and um, bless and impact people. Um, and you see that throughout the church. You see it already. You see it as uh, people in the congregation go and uh, do things in other churches as we um, send people on the Twyford weekend away like Stephen did um, a while ago. Um, as you go to your workplaces and just bless people there, we're already doing that uh, thing. Um, and we're growing up people and then sending them off into different mission fields. People thinking, hey, how can I serve God for a year? Maybe it's here, maybe it's somewhere else. Over the years, we've received some brilliant interns, haven't we? Um, and what's really exciting is that we're also developing some brilliant young people who we're sending into other situations. Just as we've received, we're also giving. And it's, it's really exciting to see some of the fruit of growing people here and then uh, sending them on to make an impact on the wider church. Statistically, one in two churches in the UK do not have any children in them. I mean, that's just like pretty sad, isn't it? Um, and there are only 35 uh, within the Church of England that have over 100 children under 16s uh, in them on a Sunday. And actually through the week, we have literally hundreds of children coming into the different things that we do. And one of the things we're trying to think is, well, how can we best um, um, make a... There's someone, someone's written on a blackboard at St. Albans. St. Albans is a lifeboat. How can we best make a great lifeboat um, for children in, in the morning services in particular that we do? So here, um, a new service that we're going to launch on Sunday mornings is going to be a 9.30 service. And it's going to be a healing service. It's going to be a focus on healing. And we're going to invite people to come up the front during communion and go over to the sides. And people have... All ages, you know, young people, old people can be there um, offering oil and prayer of healing. And my expectation is that we're going to see powerful deliverance, powerful healing in a very easy setting because people just naturally walk up for communion anyway. It's very easy to then, you know, you take communion, you come over here to the side, someone just prays for healing for you or for whoever you've brought to be prayed for. And it's amazingly easy to see. I remember doing this on a weekend away with um, some young people I've been working with. And I said, you know, for the last communion, you're the ministry team. And some of them barely knew Jesus. But we gave them oil and said, you stand there and you pray for people for healing. And 
Honestly, the adults were in floods of tears as these sort of 12, 13, 15-year-olds were, were praying over them. It was incredible to see. So expectations that God's going to burst through here in healing. I had a, um, uh, I think a very prophetic picture just uh, yesterday when we were praying in the new prayer chapel at St. Albans. And I was um, somehow elevated in this building up here, um, not far off the ceiling. But on my um, shoulders was uh, Nicola, my wife, uh, who uh, is going to be full-time working in the church after Easter. And in the roof of the church, I saw this um, sort of like a, what do you call it, like a window in a roof, like one of those roof window things, like a, and a skylight. A skylight, that's the word. Thank you, Amanda. Um, interactive sermon today, isn't it? <laughs> that's right, a skylight. You didn't say it. It was just, maybe it was just prophetic waves. Anyway, and Nicola opens this skylight, and in pours um, all of the oil and honey, which have been prophetic pictures that people have had for this place of, of healing. So I remember when I saw this church um, prophetically before coming here as vicar, when I was praying in St. Aldate's Oxford in the, in the prayer room there before coming here, a sense of oil streaming over this place, oil of joy and healing. And, uh, and others, like Fiona, when she came, she saw honey dripping in. And the sense that God was going to open this skylight and the, the healing would just come in. And we've seen some lovely healings, haven't we? And tentative healings and moments of healing. But the sense is that it will be uncontrovertible, you know, like a real sense of, I want to get to that church at 9.30 because I really need a healing sort of thing, do you know? That's sort of, I'm not very well. Crikey, you should come to my church. You know, they'll pray for you each Sunday. So get yourself there, you know. I've got cancer, right? Quick, get to church, <laughs> you know. And I'm just really excited about that. Upstairs, as, as we come in, um, uh, five to 14 can go upstairs. And uh, the amazing Rachel Button is going to be up there uh, launching a children's choir. And if you know anything about parenting in the W4 area, you know that it's basically how many activities can you tick off in a week. It's like a hectic life of, I've got to get six children in 17 places this week. And if you can give them a tangible activity uh, that they can tick off, but is also blessing and improving children's lives, it's amazing what God will do with that. I just, I don't know the songs that you sung as a kid. Can you still remember them? I'll give you, give you a look at me try. Row, 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 yeah. <laughs> you still remember it, yeah? Yeah? And it's amazing how it sinks into your soul as you sing it. I'm just really excited about how that's going to disciple and grow um, children and young people. And they'll come down there and sing and perform and do, do ministry um, as that evolves and develops over time. So really excited about this service. And then over at St. Albans, we're going to be having a great celebration service. And the gift of that is if we get enough volunteers and helpers and people willing to serve in the mornings as well, we'll be able to do great noughts to twos work, three to fours work, five to sevens work, eight to tens work. And if you've ever volunteered at New Wine, you'll recognize um, these will be gems, pebbles, uh, um, rock solid, ground breakers, uh, and so forth. And just be amazing to be able to give to the children the same level of care and attention that Zoe has been able to give to the, the younger youth. And just see that growing and blessing and building up through time. Our chances to serve and grow and great worship and uh, ministry there each week. And I'm, I'm really excited about this. Really excited that Nicola's uh, able to go full time as our sort of director of mission and ministry here, uh, looking after the, the local church and making sure it's better organized than I managed and all the rest of that. Um, but 
it's not really for the church that I'm excited. And this is where I'll, I'll finish this off today. Um, someone said that if you try and get a church, all you'll ever get is a church. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to try and make the best church we possibly can. All you'll ever get is a church. But if you try and make disciples, i.e. people who follow Jesus, you'll always get a great church as a byproduct. <laughs> you try and make a church, all you'll get is a church. You won't get disciples. You'll just get a bunch of consumers that just give me, give me, give me, give me. But you try and push us to be real followers of Jesus. You get a great church as a byproduct. That's what we've been really trying to do over the last few years, trying to say, let's just follow Jesus. Let's follow him around. And sometimes, because Jesus is Jesus, he says, cool, mom, it's Jerusalem then. You know, there's a cross coming up. And um, at that point, you've got a choice. He was really interesting, wasn't he, in going to Jerusalem, Jesus, not Paul. Really interesting. He was like, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to Jerusalem. And then he gets there. And he does his turning over the tables, money changing, all that sort of thing. And then he has that moment in Gethsemane. And he goes, but I'd really rather not if there's any other way, please. And that's really natural when you sit there facing pruning. And God's going to say, actually, something that's been really good that you've loved, like Jesus' earthly life and ministry, is about to be cut away from you. And some of uh, the things that we've been doing, some of the roles that I've been doing, um, some of the services that have nurtured and, and grown us and helped us to experience Jesus and invite other people into are going to be pruned and that's not always easy but the only way to follow Jesus well is to keep following him I remember being at a church I won't say where it is or what it was but the uh, the incumbent there had a, had a vision that by a certain year this church would be reordered and you'd be able to have um, banquet tables in it like, like we did at St Albans last year um, but he faced some real opposition. People saying, you know, the likes of over my dead body, you're going to do that. <laughs> and because he faced opposition in other areas, he, he gave up on it. And actually now, not under his watch, but in a later watch, it's on a, it's on a decline. Change is inevitable. Change always happens. The only question is, are we following Jesus in the change that he's leading us into? And I... We've worked this out for a couple of years now. I'm absolutely sure we're following Jesus where he's calling us to go as a church. As we do so, sometimes there's pain, but the fruit is just incredible when you follow Jesus even through the pain and difficulties. Um, what does it mean for the six o'clock? Well, I hope that some of you will be really excited by what I've said about the morning service and like, oh, wow, I'd love to serve in those, you know, what a difference I could make to 0 to 2s, 3 to 4s, 5 7s, or other things. Some of you might be like, wow, I could really get involved in that. Um, but you might also be saying, wow, I wonder how we can let this community in the evening um, become more and more a place of making disciples. You know, where we share our encouragements, where we say, yeah, God was doing this in me. Where we check in on one another, where we send the text messages, where we make sure all of each other are known and loved and cared for. And where God can send us more people, because he knows that we'll look after them. I hope that you'll feel real part of building up what God's going to do here in, in the evening. I 
just think God's going to release some really lovely stuff to us in this season. Um, whenever he says, give up something, uh, oftentimes there's a blessing coming your way. God's rarely in our deficit, is he? Maybe you've tried that, you've given him something. Um, because it's a financial thing or something else, and you've gone, oh my goodness me, isn't it incredible how he gave back to me? Have you ever done that? I found it again and again to be true that I can't outgive God. <laughs> how about you? How can we grow together this Lent?